This is Sue Bolin from Probe Ministries. You're used to hearing my colleague Paul Rutherford as the host of the Head and Heart podcast, but today I get to be the hostess because I'm going to be interviewing Paul and his lovely wife, Kelly, on the subject of communication power tools. We're going to do this in two parts. Today, we're starting with part one, um, which is negative communication patterns, also known as don't be a weenie, which I will explain in a minute. But uh, we're also going to offer for next month, part two, which is the speaker listener technique. And you're going to want to hear both of them because this is such good stuff. I asked Paul and Kelly if they would allow me to have this conversation with them in terms of a podcast because they are real rock stars in the marriage ministry at the church where we all go, and they have the privilege of sharing this wonderful wisdom with people and impacting marriages for time and impacting souls for eternity. So, Paul, Kelly... Thank you for joining me here today. You're welcome. Thanks for having us. All right. It's fun to be in the other seat. (laughs) (laughs) Yeah, and you're at the mercy of anything I ask. (laughs) Yes, I am. This is going to be great. (laughs) Okay, so why don't you explain why we should not be a weenie? What does that mean? A weenie is an acronym spelled W-E-N-I which means which which each letter stands for one of the four negative communication patterns. Okay. And the first one is W withdraw or withdraw and avoid. Okay. So that means when you when you're talking, you don't want to withdraw from the conversation. You don't want to avoid a conversation. All right. The second one is to escalate or escalation, which is where you make things worse. <clears throat> Get things bigger, louder, scarier, whatever. The N represents Negative interpretation, which is where you believe the negative version or maybe twist in your mind what the intent was of the other person to be something worse than what they intended. And so you just have a negative filter. And the I stands for invalidation, where um, we'll define it in a minute, but it's where you just basically put down the thoughts and feelings of the other person. And why is that a problem? Because you want to go first for me. <laughs> That's a problem, Sue, because negative communication is correlated in studies for marriages that don't last. Mm-hmm. Um, there is a study that's cited in a book called A Lasting Promise, which whose author is, I think, it's a number of authors. I think uh, Stanley is one of the authors. Mm-hmm. And in it, what they found from the study was one of the strongest correlators between marital dynamics between couples uh, who do not last more than I think 10, 10 years or something like some kind of long range study was, was their ability to handle negative communication patterns. It was their ability to conflict well and, and have basically have arguments. Can you have fights? Can you disagree with each other, but can you do it in a healthy way? Those couples, which could do it in a healthy way, that was the strongest um, correlating dynamic. It wasn't money. It wasn't education. It wasn't premarital counseling. It wasn't 
history of abuse or substance abuse, like none of those other things which were studied and controlled for, none of those things were as strong a correlation as the ability for a couple to be able to conflict well and in a healthy way. So this is a big deal, Sue, because if you can get this right in your marriage, then the implications for your marriage is it could last. It could last for a long time. That's a great point. Is it limited to marriage? Absolutely not. No, because no. you're both parents. So yes. am I. <laughs> it's it's with relationships with your kids, relationships with your parents, mm -hmm. and with um, friends, coworkers. We all fall into one or more of these negative communication patterns, mm -hmm. um, just apart from Christ's redemptive work. Um, and so it's important that we kind of evaluate ourselves and then also be ready to you know, maybe notice those patterns in, in our loved ones and have a conversation about how to get out of that ditch, whatever that ditch is of these three or these four communication patterns that we're going to talk about today. Great point, because if we're aware that somebody else is engaged in a negative communication pattern, it will equip us to speak the truth and love back to them. Um, kind of, it's, it's sort of a dance and, and you can respond in grace because you know what's happening there. So, well, let's jump into the W of weenie, which is withdrawal and avoidance. Can you go into some depth on that? Kelly, can I have this one? Sure. Because I'm the king of withdrawal. <laughs> this is confession time now. Uh, Kelly and I joke that of these four patterns, withdrawal is my favorite. Favorite in the sense that I do it the most. So again, making another run at the definition, to withdraw is to leave the conversation. And that can be physically leaving the conversation. A couple years back, I remember Kelly and I were ha had a conflict, and I was so hot, I just got in my car and took off. Like, I physically left the room, I physically left the house, I physically left our neighborhood. I was gone. It was physically separating. I physically withdrew from the conversation. But withdrawal doesn't have to be physical withdrawal. It can also be an emotional withdrawal. And sometimes I like to do that too. I won't physically leave the room, but I will shut down. I go silent. Mm -hmm. I go quiet. Um, I'm sure there's a lot of other guys out there who will do the same thing. The problem with that is that's the definition of the loss of a relationship. And while I'm on the subject, um, dudes, if you're listening to me, just know that as a husband, when you shut down emotionally, you cut off your wife. That hurts her in ways that you can't understand uh, because the loss of that relationship, the loss of those words is a significant um, wound to your wife because to them, words are like breathing. Words are so important. Ladies, you can speak to this, but this is my fellow warning to other dudes. When you shut down, it's really harmful to her. The number of questions that are going through her mind in terms of what does this mean? Why is he upset? Um, is he coming back? When is he coming back? What can I do? Like her mind is just racing because there's all these problems. There's this void that you've created by withdrawing and it's usually not filled by the Holy Spirit, <laughs> at least not in the moment. If your wife is godly, hopefully she will turn to it, but that's, that's on her and we'll talk about that in a second. But for now, I'm just telling you, I'm, a, I'm warning you against withdrawal. Um, don't do it because it is dangerous and particularly hurtful to your wife. Mm. When my husband and I read John Gray's book, Men Are From Mars, Women Are From Venus, there was a super powerful in encouragement that he, he put in there to men saying that when you go into your cave and you withdraw, please 
reassure your partner, your wife especially, I'll be back. Those three words are super powerful because they're reassuring. Even if you do withdraw, but you are reassuring that this is only temporary, um, that's the, it's reassuring to our hearts because we panic when when the other person withdraws. Good word. All right. So uh, just to remind you, friends, I'm Sue Bolin from Probe Ministries, and I'm having the privilege of communicating today about negative communication patterns with Paul and Kelly Rutherford. We are talking about why you should not be a weenie. And so the W is withdrawal and avoidance. The E is escalation. Who's going to tackle that one? I'll go for it. You can take that one. Sure. All right, thanks. So escalation occurs when you do or say something negative and your partner responds negatively. So, and then off you go into a real battle. So it could look like, you know, one upping each other with, you know, well, you do this, but you do this and you never, and you always, and those are definitely not words you want to bring into a conflict, but we do it. I'm sure we've all done there, been there, done that. Um, and then even sarcasm is a form of escalation. And Good that's, point. thank you for bringing that up. Yeah. That's the sneaky kind of cousin of anger. Um, I've heard <laughs> it say, um, so it's not always a screaming match, um, when you escalate, um, but the jabs, you know, using our words like sword thrust, as it says in Proverbs twelve eighteen, um, just rash words or like sword thrust. Um, there's a lot of pointing fingers and blaming, and escalation. And yeah, I mean, your voices can get loud, you can feel the tenseness in the conversation. And it's almost like you just go round and round, like you're just on this hamster wheel of crazy. Um, especially when there's two escalators in <laughs> that conversation. Um, Sometimes it can go we call it the crazy train. Yeah, the, the crazy train, <laughs> the crazy train. Yeah. I love that. If you find yourself on the crazy train, get off <laughs> yeah you gotta get off <laughs> somebody's gotta stop it so somebody's, somebody's gotta, gotta get, off. get off get off this train is it fair to say that the more emotionally and spiritually mature person is the one who steps off first absolutely since our I've, elder said that yes yeah, i've heard it say <laughs> yes yes agreed yeah the one who comes under the holy spirit first <laughs> is no, the winner uh, joking aside that is a good point yeah Sue, is true. that even when you separate I'll insert myself here. Even when you separate, mm -hmm. uh, it looks like withdrawal. If you're having a conflict, it can be totally redemptive. If, and if and you use it as a time to come under the Holy spirit mm -hmm. and listen to him and let him convict you and call you to repentance and you, you, you yield, you surrender, you submit, you say, yeah, I, I messed it up. I screwed it up. Um, and I'd love to come to you and say, Hey, this is my part, my part. I'm sorry. Will you forgive me? Like if you, if you use that withdrawal in a redemptive way, mm -hmm. it can be a really good thing. And that, so to, I guess clarified to back up a little bit, sorry, but that's not what we mean in this particular. That's healthy withdrawal. Yes. Exactly. If if exactly. the escalate you. if you're escalating dance steps, stepping back out of that is the good and godly and healthy thing to do. Exactly. It's when you step out of 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 an unhealthy communication that is not so good. Exactly. And to if I can, if I can piggyback on that Sue, mm -hmm. it's also when this becomes a pattern that just because you're disagreeing or you're in conflict, you shut down. You withdraw, you're out. That's also the un that's an unhealthy pattern. Cuz mm -hmm. at some point you need to learn to hang in there. You need to learn to to stay in the conversation. And what is it? Psalm 
83 how good and pleasant it is when brothers can dwell on the land in unity mm-hmm. right like you you have to dwell together in unity and that's that's not an accident it doesn't happen by accident it's not a coincidence you have to work for it you have to stay in the ring as our pastor used to say mm-hmm. you got to stay in the ring of conflict and do it in a way that's healthy yeah and Sorry we'll talk there, Kelly. no it's okay we'll talk a little bit later um about taking a time out which is kind of like the healthy withdrawal that you were mentioning um and kind of what that looks like when you are doing some of these things, especially if you're escalating, that could be a really great tool we'll talk about in a minute. So it seems to me that escalating is something that even kids do. You know, you hit me, I'm going to hit you twice as hard, twice as long. And, it. It, and so people keep upping the stakes, mm-hmm. which when grownups do that with weapons, somebody can end up hurt or dead, mm-hmm. you know, and so we can do that exactly. with our mouths real easily exactly. um, by escalating. Yeah. And if I can add some flesh to the bones there, um, to be concrete, escalation can look like raising your voice mm-hmm. and it can look as subtle as like raising it slightly. Like you did what? Mm. That's escalation. It may be really mild. You may not, you may be able to come right off that, but that's still a form of escalation. Um, so raising your tone, using sarcasm, like Kelly said, retaliating, like you said, Sue, mm-hmm. either if it's with your words or dredging up old conflict or old wounds, all of those are forms of escalation. That's why sometimes, you know, you'll hear people say, don't yell at me. And, and people say, I'm not yelling. Yeah, but there's energy in your voice and it is threatening to my stability. And mm-hmm. so you're not being kind. Uh, even if you're not screaming at the top of your lungs, there's unkindness happening. So mm-hmm. we've done the W of withdrawal and avoidance. We've done the E, e of um, escalation. And big, big ditch for a lot of people is negative interpretation. Who's going to take that one? All right. Can I start and will you finish? Absolutely. Okay. So um, negative interpretation. Let me... Um, let me start by saying this is the first of the negative communication patterns that are done by the listener, mm. which I love mm-hmm. because these four are structured such that two are perpetrated by the speaker and two are perpetrated by the listener. And so escalation is a speaking error. Negative interpretation is a listening error. That is really wise, Paul. Isn't that cool? Boom. Yeah. I didn't make that up. I don't get credit oh, for that. I wish I had my thing of gold stars. I'd pin one on your shirt. Bless you. You are too <laughs> sweet. Um, it's a passion of mine for just for years because I know um, because communication is a two way street. Mm-hmm. It takes two to tango. Right. You got to speak. You got to listen. You got to listen well. And for all of our culture's value for you know being a good listener like that, I hear that in pop psychology. And pop culture, mainstream culture now all the time. Well, I'm working on becoming a good... What does that mean? <laughs> like, I never hear anyone go farther than that. They just say, I want to be a good listener. And then it stays there. So, just in... Anyway, that's one reason I love talking about these patterns. One th- reason I love having learned them. Years ago, we were blessed by um, our church, which imparted this to us. Mm-hmm. All that to say, negative inter- interpretation is a, um, is a wrong dynamic by the listener. So when you're listening, you are taking it either too personally or a way that wasn't intended um, so that you're hurt by what the speaker said, even though they didn't intend to hurt you. Yeah, That's my and, setup. Well, and I, this is my thing. This is my, um, my go-to, apart from Christ redeeming me um and continuing the work he started in me but um yeah it's it's when you try to assign a motive um like you said intention so that's not my job like i was trying to assign motives to 
all sorts of people in my life um, for a long, long time. And an example of that was um, just as a newlywed, I, you know, brought into my marriage all sorts of insecurities, right? I have a lot that I'm trying to to do, maybe struggle with a little bit of perfectionism, but I wanted to like kill it in the kitchen. I wanted to <laughs> Are you gonna tell the be the story? No, you oh, can tell. Oh, that sorry. Oh, okay. But be the homemaker, be the cook, be all that I thought, you know, and the expectations I had for myself in the kitchen. And so when Paul would come home from work and ask what's for dinner, my negative interpretation filter shot way up because of my insecurity as a listener. And I assumed that meant that equaled, you are the worst cook. What are you doing? What are you thinking? You know, and he's seeing what I'm doing in the kitchen. He just wanted to know what we're having for dinner. But, you know, instead of stopping and asking and, you know, we'll talk about, you know, how you can change course if you're a negative interpreter like, like me. Um, But yeah, I just put a terrible motive on that. That was not loving or kind and just tend to be negative. But that was because I had an insecurity there when really it's fine and i've grown in that area so much <laughs> um we've we've both you know grown in that but wait but yeah. how how did that happen how did you grow out of the the immediate go to the negative habit yeah so i learned a very very powerful very simple question and that is hey when you said x or when you said what's for dinner what did you mean by that mm. and then i would listen and then i would you know believe what they said. And it was not negative. It was definitely not what I was thinking it would be. Um, and just choosing to believe the best about the other person or just stopping and asking. So the question, the golden question for a negative interpreter is, what did you mean by that? And then listen and believe. Oh, that's so, so good. Yeah, mm-hmm. that could change everything. Yeah, it did for me. All right. Paul, what were you going to add to that? polenta that was the story <laughs> you were cooking the polenta the night i asked that question okay i don't and even got remember. into a conflict over it I, well yeah it was the first night i ever heard what a polenta was it's <laughs> probably the first and last time i ever made polenta i don't even know <laughs> totally it. unintentional i'm like what are you making for dinner I'm like what is that thing i've never seen a polenta in my life yeah i know of people that have got gotten really upset to hear that somebody was serving polenta because they were thinking placenta. Oh my word! <laughs> he said that, that is, disgusting. is disgusting. It's like no, 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 no. What mm. is polenta? What a is corn polenta? Bread. It's a form. Isn't a grain? Food? It's a grain. Yeah. Yeah. It was. I don't know. It's trying totally to innocent. Something healthy. You get it from Whole Foods. <laughs> you know. Yeah. I don't know. It wasn't valid question. It was fine. looking back. Yeah, it is <laughs> different. It is different. That was all I was going to add. All right. So uh, let me remind you, I'm Sue Bolin, uh, and I have the privilege of hosting this episode of Head and Heart. I'm talking with Paul and Kelly Rutherford, my esteemed and delightful colleagues here at Probe Ministries. And we're talking about communication power tools, particularly the negative ones that people fall into uh, as a way of (laughs) destroying relationships. And it doesn't have to be that way. And, you know, I am so excited that we are talking about this, you guys, because when you are aware of these patterns in yourself and in other people, it's like it's a power tool to stick on your belt, on your tool belt for knowing what to do rather than just getting stuck 
in uh, these these negative patterns. As particularly negative interpretation, uh, that's something that we live with at our at our house. My my husband, this is his major ditch, and since he has shared this publicly. I'm free to, to say that his counselor told him, Ray, you don't have the right to interpret what people tell you. Mm-hmm. Basically reinterpret it the opposite of what they said. And 1 Corinthians 13, the love chapter says that love believes the best and negative interpretation believes the worst. And so we need to go back to, in the power of the Holy Spirit, believing the best. So we've gotten W-E-N, uh, withdrawal and avoidance, escalation, and negative interpretation. There's one more letter for don't be a weenie, and that's invalidation. I'll take it. Oh. I see you looking at me. I know I do this a lot. <laughs> no, it's not. I was looking at you. Oh. I was looking at you like, are you going to go? Well, I'll start, and then you can tag in. But, um Invalidation, Sue, I, I like to define it as dismissing the other person, mm-hmm. what they said, or how they felt. And so... Again, this is a speaking error. So this is when you say something that invalidates the other person's, whatever it was that they said. So I also like, thank you for letting me go first. I feel like this is a particularly male problem. The common cultural parlance of mansplaining things is a t- usually a type of invalidation. Yeah, that's reaching for a slight chuckle there. Mansplaining. It's usually inval- invalidating. It's usually condescending. It's usually the mm-hmm. kind of emotional tone they're going with that. So this is kind of a related communication problem or cousin to that problem but um so guys so listen up so if you've ever listened to your wife or whoever your mom your sister and they and usually let's talk about it in a case where they're emotional or they're sad or upset or crying or whatever maybe it's not even about you maybe you two aren't in conflict but but she's telling you something about how she feels and then you look at her and you're like well that doesn't make any sense that's invalidation or maybe she, maybe you are in a conflict and she's like, I'm upset at you for doing that. And then you say, well, you shouldn't feel that way. Mm-hmm. That's invalidation. Or it could be someone is just talking to you and you're, uh, they're expressing how, how they feel or what they want. And then you just basically say like, that's stupid. That doesn't matter. Or maybe it's even real. Maybe there is a level of ju- judgment and condescension in it. And you're like, well, that's stupid. Or you're dumb. Like, how could you think that? These are all variations on invalidation. That last one's particularly nasty. I mean, mm-hmm. our, our flesh is gross. Like, sometimes I, I'll get there, too. Um, but that's what that looks like. That's the quick answer to what invalidation looks like. Mm. Ouch. Yeah. And two more phrases that an invalidator might say often is stop being so sensitive. Mm. And that just completely shuts down the speaker um, to open up themselves to share what their thoughts and feelings are. Um, and then the other one that we probably don't know, so this might sting a little because you may have done this. I know I have is starting as the, as the listener and you're responding to this um, to the person that's just shared something hard saying at least, you know, starting a phrase like that is validating. Like, well, at least it didn't happen this way, or at least you could still get pregnant or at least, you know, your other relative is still here with you. I mean, it, it could be something as, yeah, it's just very, very hurtful. Like when you're trying um, to put a silver line, yeah, silver mm-hmm. line in the cloud to somebody sharing something hard with you and you're, yeah, mm-hmm. it's and almost then, like you don't want to get into the weeds or into the muck and the mire with them. You're kind of on the outside looking in. Well, at least this, like, it's fine. Like just trying to bring, yeah, like the I'm silver so glad you brought it. that up, Kelly, because usually, uh, man, I did this the other day. I was uh, 
straight, totally straight with you. I was, I was at the gas station buying gas and I was talking to the attendant selling me the gas. And I just asked him, how are you doing? He's like, man, I'm hot. And I said, oh, what's up? And he said, AC's broke. And all we got are these, you know, fans up here. Like, but otherwise it's hot in here. And at first I said, I was like, oh man, I'm so sorry. It's so hot. And then I was like, at least you got the fans. And I said, thanks. And then I was like, I caught myself afterwards. I was like, oh my gosh, I totally did that. Mm. And so I'm bringing that up to affirm you and bringing this up, Kelly, because usually when you start something with like, at least it's usually well motivated. You're Mm -hmm. trying to connect, you're trying to encourage, you're trying to point them to, you know, trying to lift their head or like, well, look, there's no, don't give up completely. There's still reason for hope. There's still something good that you can focus on. But the problem is usually when the the listener doesn't receive it like that, Mm -mm. usually not when Mm -hmm. they've shared something that's hard or hurtful, really what they want to hear is that you understand and you have heard them, Mm -hmm. that you have listened and understood and not tried to fix the problem. The words at least minimize whatever they just said. Mm -hmm. And it is hurtful to hear. I'm so glad you brought that up. Yeah, me too. So in the last um, couple minutes, let me ask the question, once you realize that, okay, I've been engaging in negative communication patterns, what do I do about it? How can I change? What can I, um, how can I repent and, and make a difference in how I process um, my communication patterns with other people? Yeah, for withdrawers, um, I'll just start there. I think it, it would be hard, but it is definitely possible. And Paul has grown in this a ton, um, is just staying in the conversation and not not shutting down, not waiting till I pursue um, and ask, are we okay? Like something going on. Um, and as we mentioned before, just reassuring, like if you need to take what I would call a healthy timeout, just to process before you come back to the conversation and the hurt of the conflict. Um, just saying, like, I love when Paul does this. He's like, we're okay. We're going to be okay. Maybe you don't have time to talk through the conflict right then. Sometimes it's a timing issue. Um, but just reassuring your partner, um, especially your wife goes a really long way. Um, it just offers that security that women need that you're going to circle back to the conversation instead of withdrawing into your room, you're gone. And all of a sudden you're just left as the other person, just wondering, are we ever going to talk about this? Are we going to be okay? And so, um, starting out with that, the reassurance, um, if you do need to take a break, um, is extremely helpful or just staying in the conversation. And we're actually going to talk about how to have that hard conversation, um, in part two, but uh, making sure yes, everybody gets gets listened to and understood. Yeah, and I'll just tag in here as a general principle. The question you're asking, Sue, is really helpful and really productive because we all want healthy marriages. We all want to be close to our spouse. I mean, that's why we got married to begin with. But sin gets in the way and creates division and discord and separates us, and we, we don't experience the full and abundant marriage that we could uh, when we're walking in the Spirit and when we're connected by the Spirit. Or people that were in, you know, in our family or our office or our church, our friends, same thing. So keep going. Good point. (laughs) Good point. But I'm just going to bring it back to what uh, Jesus said in Matthew 19, where he said that uh, uh, I'm backing up um, in four. uh, For this reason, a man will leave his father and mother and be joined to his wife and the two will become one flesh. So they are no longer two, but one flesh. 
and therefore what God has joined together, let no one separate. And so even Jesus using this language is just crazy, crazy intimate. It's, it's no longer, it's almost beyond, it is beyond intimacy. It's identity. The two are now identified as one, mm. which as Paul explains later in, in Ephesians, like this is a mystery. Like we don't understand this. Mm-hmm. Um, and so that mystery, pursuing that mystery is part of what we're doing. Like listener, as you begin to identify your negative communication patterns, trust the Lord with them and trust him to sanctify you from them and out of them, away from them, you will begin to experience greater oneness with your wife and with other people as you, um, greater intimacy with other people. Um, just to be clear, the oneness is only in the marriage relationship that Jesus mm-hmm. is talking about. But I, I wanted to lay that as a principle kind of for the whole conversation is that pursuing this oneness is what this conversation is about. That's the bedrock that it all lays on. That's super. Thank you. I think too about what Paul wrote to the Ephesians. Um, he used the phrase speaking the truth in love. And that's what we need to try to do. All of our communication should be speaking the truth in love. He also told the Corinthians, whether you eat or drink or whatever you do, and that includes how we talk, do all to the glory of God. So if that's our mindset, that's going to impact how we relate to each other. So I so appreciate what you guys have shared in this time. This has been way fun. It was just what I was hoping for. And I'm looking forward to part two when we talk about Um, The speaker-listener technique, another set of power tools for communication. Yes. Can I say one more thing? No. (laughs) Yes, of course you can. I had three more things I wanted to say. Oh, well. Sorry. All right. When you are escalating, because the question is, what do you do instead of negative interpretation? And what Kelly just said was, if you are withdrawing, you got to stay in the conversation. Mm -hmm. If you are escalating, uh, James 119, brothers, be quick to listen, Mm. slow to speak. And slow to become angry because your anger does not accomplish God's righteousness. The, the anger of man does not accomplish the righteousness of God. Thanks. Totally mm-hmm. butchered that. Huh. Sorry. James one nineteen. Mm-hmm. So th- that's the key part there is that you want to be slow to speak. So take a breath, mm-hmm. cool off, chill out. Uh, Proverbs fifteen one. A gentle answer turns away wrath. Um, so these are my admonitions if you're escalating. If you're interpreting negatively, then you want to choose to believe the best. Mm-hmm. Uh, again, what Jesus taught in Matthew 19 about what marriage is, it's a one flesh relationship. Paul expounds on that, talks about that. So you just mentioned, uh, that same book, uh, that we speak to one another in love in all things. We're speaking to each other in love. That is what you want to remember that, um, try to be charitable, trying to be grace filled, even in how you listen and interpret and understand what your spouse has said to you or the other person has said to you. And then lastly, if you're invalidating, What's the best response for validation? So invalidation, I mean, it can be as simple as, or validating, excuse me, um, the opposite of invalidation is saying, I'm so sorry. That must be really hard. It's zero trying to fix. It's zero trying to silver line what the other person has just shared. It's just sitting with them. And sometimes you can even, sometimes you just don't know what to say um, when people experience just deep, deep hurts and wounds. And and it's a very privileged place to be, to be the one to say, I don't even know what to say right now, mm. but I'm just going to be here with you. Mm-hmm. And there's, it's just mer- being merciful and being empathetic and not trying to um, make it better because sometimes just, it's not good. Like it's just life happens. Um, and something that I think covers all of these, that is a verse that I have put to memorizing because I think, you know, if 
this is not the verse, but if God wants us to leave the altar and go when we know something's against us in a relationship and he is the God of reconciliation, he says, you know, first go be reconciled, like leave the altar, leave, you know, the church service, go make amends, go make it right. Um, cause he cares so much about how we love our neighbors as ourselves, right? It's a, a second commandment, um, greatest commandment. Um, but Romans 12, 18, um, I love, and this is something that we use a lot when we are meeting with couples and with friends even, but you know, as far as it depends on you or as far as it depends on me, pursue peace with everyone. And so in order to pursue peace with everyone, we need to know, well, you know, what are our negative communication patterns? Kind of look inward, ask God to search your heart and see the wrong way within you, lead you in the everlasting way, right? That's a great prayer at the end of Psalm 139 that we can pray if we don't know which one of these resonates with us. And it may not just be one, right? We may move in and out of some of these patterns depending on the dynamics of our relationship, but there is hope. We are commanded and there is a way that the Lord has made where we can go pursue peace, but it takes humility. You know, it's asking God to clothe us with humility, compassion, gentleness, um, so that we can forgive those and also even just receive the forgiveness from the Lord, um, for the ways we've messed up in our relationships. And there is hope and there is a way, there's a way out from under this and the Lord has provided that. So I just want to offer that encouragement because I know I needed it when I was, um, just a, I'm a recovering negative interpreter. (laughs) That's so good. You guys, thank you so much. This has been an absolute delight. And, um, I pray that something from this time will land on your heart and make a difference. And I also hope that you will check out part two of this series and find out uh, more ways that we can love each other well. So I'm Sue Bowen, uh, getting to step in as the hostess for the Head and Heart podcast this week, this month, today, whatever. Hope you have a great day. Thank you.